good to be with you here today. I want to share a few things before we continue on in our current series. And that is, um, uh, it's going to rain a lot on Tuesday. Did you know that? So those of you in the life of David, we have our final one, and that is the, the cookout. We're having a taco cart. We have to move the location. We can't be outside. So we're going to move it from Jim Tebow's home to here in the lobby. So if you're part of that or know somebody who's part of that and they're not here today, please let them know we'll be here in the lobby. We'll have our last fellowship, those who are in the life. This is not, oh, a taco cart. No, no, no. You've got to be... You got to be in the life of David, okay? You got to be in that, all right. I should have clarified that in first service. I didn't even think about that. Um, <laughs> uh, as of now, uh, for our next church plant, uh, the Av Church, I've given, g- g- praise the Lord, I've been giving, been giving you updates <laughs> every week. And as of right now, our goal was 75,000. Right now, we're at 81,370. <laughs> Now, somebody are saying, oh, good, I was going to give, but now you hit your mark. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No. Uh-uh. The more the, the, the more the better because we need a good two-year cushion to offset costs for a church plant because it takes money to get these things off the ground. Our goal is to start planting churches primarily, not exclusively, to a younger demographic of people so that we can reach the next generation of people and make sure we ensure the next generation knows God. Amen? So those of us who are older, it's a great way to put uh, our offerings toward, not our tithe. Tithe comes where you go, but your offering. So with that said, we're going to continue in our series. We're talking on being overloaded. Anybody ever feel overloaded besides me? put my feet up. Uh, yeah, We're going to talk on rest today. And those type A people like myself, I'm a type A minus now, remember that? Uh, we don't think we need rest, but we'll get into this more and more. Um, we are a driven society, are we not? We are a fatigued, tired society, are we not? Anxious, exhausted, burnt out, overloaded, and rarely do we ever hear anyone ever say, I feel so rested. We don't hear things like that anymore. And I think that, I think that our culture, we've blended into it, and our culture, um, they actually, and I'll use the word worships, they worship productivity. God is not against productivity. I am not against productivity. I believe in it with all my heart. God does too. God doesn't want anyone to be lazy, but we do worship productivity, and we place that over everything else. And what it does is it pushes us and pushes us and pushes us and pushes us to the point of exhaustion, and we find no rest in our life. Let me illustrate. I'm the only time I'm going to come down on the floor. Give me the lights on the floor so I can illustrate every chance I get. Not in your notes. This is a free one this morning, but you've seen me do it before. Lencho, you get to play God. Okay, again. Okay, stand over on this side over there. Andy, you get to stand up and be stuff, all right? You were looking away. You didn't want me to see you, huh? But I, Brooke, I saw him right there. Did he make the noise? Uh. Andy's one of the great servants in our church, and I'm not joking. He's a great servant. Stand right here. <laughs> you don't know how much fun this is to have him right here. Andy, do jumping jacks. No, I'm just joking. Back up more, Lencher, back up a little more. Okay, now, Lencher gets to play God, because he likes that. Okay, Andy is stuff. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be 
added unto us. What things? What you shall eat, what you drink, what you shall wear. The things that we produce, 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 produce to be able to accumulate and get those things. Nothing wrong with that. But it's a matter of priority. And therefore, when we worship production, we get our priorities out of whack. Watch. Jesus said, when I seek him, Andy is stuffed. What are you drinking? He's stuffed. When I seek him, follow me, Andy, then stuff follows me. Seek first the kingdom of God is righteous, then all these things shall be added unto you. You follow that? Now, but the opposite is true. Stay here, walk that way. When I seek stuff, does Jesus have to follow me? No. Stop right there. And no, no, he does not. And that's where we get up. You can turn around, Andy. It's okay. <laughs> this is even getting even better, man. Um, so what I need, and, and by the way, when we get ourselves so busy and producing, producing, typically what happens, we get overloaded. We what, we, what we cancel out or eliminate from our life that we don't have time for is our spiritual disciplines, is it not? We'll throw church out the window. We'll throw life group out the window. We'll throw fellowship out the window. I don't have time to read the Bible anymore. I really don't have time to sit still before God. I really can't no time to serve because I'm so busy. Follow me. But when I seek God, stuff follows me and it lessens the pressure, does it not? Turn around and walk away, stay here, go ahead. But when I follow stuff, God doesn't have to follow me. Stop right there, Andy. And there's more pressure on my life to accumulate or to, to succeed. Any amens on that? Which would you rather live? Come on, guys. It was, I gave you so much information. Follow Lencho. Good. Yeah, you got that. Thanks, Mike. Okay. I want to report him to the ushers, please. Yeah, follow God, and the pressure lightens. Follow stuff, and the pressure's more intense. Any amens? And that goes against the culture, does it not? But Jesus has a habit of going against the culture. God bless you guys. Go ahead and sit down now. Now, so I, I gave you that so to realize we've got to get this stuff back in, in, in proper order again because we are the overloaded society. We are activity overloaded, are we not? Man, how many of your calendars are book solid for weeks or months? Think about that one right there. We are in debt overload. And when you're in debt overload, when you're spending everything you make or even more because you're using credit cards more, 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 when you're in debt overload, that's pure pain. Any amens on that? You know it's pain right there. We're in choice overload. You know in the 80s, you go to the supermarket. How many of you didn't live in the 80s? You weren't born yet. Raise your hand. I want to know. You are so young. But anyway, in the 80s, there was 12,000 choices at a supermarket. Now there are 30,000 choices. We're in choice overload. Let me tell you something about choices and all the choices. Choice, it, it, does, it does not liberate, it debilitates. Let me give you a, a simple one. The remote control and cable TV. You got 300 stations, right? It's like there's so much to choose from, huh? It just freezes. You're like, what do I watch? It's a good thing you can record stuff, huh? So you can go back and watch what you missed there later and use up more of your time on television. We're in exhaustion overload. One third of us say that when we come back from a vacation, we are more tired than when we left. Because we go there and we fill up our schedules and we are exhausted already going in and we come back more exhausted. We need rest. In this series, we're looking at creating margin. Margin, by definition, last week we said is a continuous area that is free, unoccupied, and available. 
I need that margin. It's a cushion in my life. I need it in my personal life. I need it so I can have time with my key relationships. I need it in my finances so I'm not to the edge on everything. I need these, this cushion in my life. We all need it. Now, hold the thought. Let's read the key verse. It's the only verse I'm going to have you read this morning. I would enjoy it. I'd love it immensely if you all read it. One, two, three. Said to them, come away by yourself to a secluded place and rest for a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they'd not even have time to eat. Have you ever felt like that? It's like, I'm going to rest, and then all of a sudden, I don't have time to rest. And so we need the margin. And so our tagline is this, putting the bee back into being. Say it with me. Putting the bee back into being. And why do we say that? Because too many times we become human doings instead of human beings. We want to go back to being a human being and not be a human, be, a human doing anymore. So that's what we're doing in the series. Today we're going to look at rest. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1 or if you have your Bible on your phone and if you don't have either one, it will be up on the screen for you. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, I'm going to do a little bit of lead in and then we're going to focus in on chapter 2 and have three points Today, we're going to look at rest from a few different angles. Verse 26 of chapter 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Stop right there. Notice God said, let us. Notice that's a plural word. Anybody notice that? In there you find the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's how we know them in the New Testament. But you see there, there's the three pers- multiple persons. We know them as three persons in the Godhead. According to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Adam stood there and watched his wife talk to a creeping thing in chapter 3 and he did nothing about it. He was supposed to rule over those things. Verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Stop. We're created in the image likeness of God, and yet God is a spirit. So how does that translate? We're created in the moral image of God. We have a certain built-in thing that we have. We can walk in the morality of God, or we should strive for that. We're also people who are created of God in the moral likeness and image, have a higher intellectual capacity because we're a higher uh, level of creation of God. We did not come from the animals, guys. Verse 28, God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Huh, God said, be fruitful before he ever said, you can't eat fruit from the one tree. You could think on that for 10 years. And multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, they were to multiply. They were to have kids and spread out over the earth. Did they do that? No, they built the Tower of Babel, remember that? And God must confuse the languages to force them to spread out, to fill the earth up, and that's where all the different languages come from. Now, verse 29, then God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky 
And to everything that moves on the earth, which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. How many of you hated eating vegetables and greens growing up? You could blame it right there, okay? God saw, verse 31, all that he had made. And behold, it was very what? Good. And there was, say, evening and there was morning. Say it. There was evening and there was morning. Say evening, morning. That's easier. That's key. The sixth day. The sixth day. Point one in your notes, and that's this. When it comes to rest, faith begins with done, not do. Faith begins with done, not do. Now, let me try my best to explain this one. Verse one of chapter two says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed. Say completed. Key word there. And all their hosts. Now think. God creates Adam on the sixth day. And it says that God rested from all that he had, say completed. All that he It was done. It was a done deal. Jesus comes along and he goes to a cross. And on that cross, he says, it is finished. It was a done deal. And you and I, we're not saved by what we do because Jesus already done that one. Any amens? So we just enter into the rest of our salvation. God did all the done stuff, so we don't have to do the do stuff. Any amens there? God completed it, and then this, and then you know Adam is rested. Then God, Jesus finished it, and we enter into that rest of salvation. Now think about this. What day was Adam created on? Six day. Question: What day did God rest on? Seven days. So think. God created Adam on the sixth day, somewhere in that sixth day, and then on the seventh day, God did what? So Adam's first full day, the seventh day, was what? His first full day was rest. In other words, it was done, completed, and now you don't have to do anything on day seven. You just rest. There's a message in there. Remember I told you to say evening, morning? Say evening, morning. In the days of creation... It says every day that God created, there was evening and morning. Then day two, he created an evening and morning. Why does he say that? Because in the Jewish mindset, a day begins at sunset. That's how it starts. Not in our mindset. We are, we're different out here, us Westerners. If you ever, if you go with us to Israel again in two years, I'll, that's when I'll leave the next tour. You'll, if we stay in a multi-level hotel, there will be elevators there, uh, multiple ones, but you'll have a Shabbat elevator. And in that elevator, you don't have to press any buttons. Because if you come there on a Friday night when it starts their Sabbath, their rest, they don't want to, to press a button means they're going to do work. And they're not supposed to. They have regular elevators for us who just want to be busy all the time. I get it, okay? But you go in there and it just takes you up each floor. You don't work. And that's how serious their Shabbat is for them. And so you think about that, that if the day starts at sunset, then their day starts with rest, not ours. Our day starts with go, go, and do, do, not do, do. That sounds bad, huh? I got to rethink that one for next time around. They start with rest, guys. They start with done, not do. We're the flip side of that. We just go, 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 and we never get done. You ever, you ever feel like that? So in our faith, it begins with done. It doesn't begin with do. I want you to think on that for about the next 15, 20 years. 
Number two in your notes, rest as if your work is done. Rest as if your work is done. The key words are as if. Now, notice verse 2 and 3 of Genesis 2. It says, By the seventh day God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Verse 3, Then God blessed the seventh day and, say sanctified? Sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Now, did you notice what happened right there? God sanctifies. Sanctify means basically set apart to make holy. The first thing that God ever sanctifies is not a person or a place. It's time. It's that rest time. That's the first thing God set apart. It's the first thing he created to make holy, that thing right there. Now, I said in the point, rest as if your work is done. Would you agree that if you worked six days a week, it's still all your work wouldn't be finished? Yeah. And raise your hand if you agree with that. I, I, I agree with that statement. There's always more to do, is there not? So maybe we need to rethink the idea and say, then I must rest as if all my work is done. Even though it isn't all done. In other words, you could take it a step further. I have to even kind of um, rest my mind on my rest day from even the thought of work. That's difficult, is it not? Because how many times are we with our families or friends or loved ones, the key relationships in our life, and they're talking to us, and we don't, it's like wah, 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 because our mind is thinking about work. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because our mind is so geared that direction that we're not listening to the very people that we say we love the most. Now, in those verses, it said that God rested. The question is, did God need rest? I mean, did he say that God at the end of six days say, I am exhausted from creating? Did God do that? No, not at all. Watch this, um, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Watch what it says of God from Isaiah. It says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. God doesn't get tired. The last line's a great line, too. His understand, God's understanding is inscrutable. It means without deliberation, without examination. In other words, you don't sit there and go, I don't know if that's right or not what he said. Really? No, if God said it, guess what? It's true. It's just what it is. Now, God doesn't get tired. God rested on that Sabbath day. Now, the Sabbath was Saturday. For them, it's Friday, sunset, till Saturday. Sun that's their Sabbath day. We would call it Saturday. Here's the problem. Technology has kind of destroyed the, the work week, has it not? Let me give you one thing. Just one thing that changed everything. The light bulb with electricity. Before there was ever a light bulb and electricity in homes and everything else, when dark hit, that was a natural, built-in stop, was it not? It couldn't work anymore. 
They couldn't do any more. It's like, you got to stop now. It's dark. This is it. But then comes a light bulb, electricity, everything that follows. And now they've got us working 24-7, do they not? You can go home and work. You're there with a family. Wait, I got to go do an hour on the computer for work. And who hasn't done that? But you'll go 24-7. Some of you work at jobs that it's all weekend. There's shifts going on all the time. Some of you, and maybe online, you, you, uh, you'll archive, you'll see the archive, but some of you can't even make it on, on Sunday to church because they got you working. It's a different world than the world of a long time ago, is it not? Technology has helped in many ways, but in many other ways, it has robbed us of our rest time. Has it not? It's, it's crazy. I mean, it was a time, and I remember, um, when, anybody remember the mo- that movie, That Thing You Do? Oh my gosh, only a few of you have seen that? How many have seen that movie? You're all going to heaven, automatic right there. <laughs> there, was a, there was a scene in that movie where the dad has a local appliance store. Remember the days of local appliance stores? And then the big conglomerate in the movie, they're open on Sundays now. And he says, I don't think I want to live in a world that has to open on Sundays to support their family. That was a key state. I thought, that's so true, because that's the way it was when I was growing up. But not anymore. They got you working all the time. You just go, go, go. So for some people, if you say, well, I can't rest on Saturday, they make me work. So what do I do, Mr. Smarty Preacher? Well, look what Colossians in the New Testament says. Paul writes this. It says, therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a... Oh, Sabbath day. In other words... I can pick what day of the week is my Sabbath rest day? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Because for some of you work weekends or work this, you might have Tuesday off, Wednesday off, or Monday off, whatever it is, and so you can pick one of those days as your rest day. God is not locked in legalistic like that. And by the way, on your rest day, it doesn't mean you lay down on the couch and just do nothing like, I'm just going to rest. It doesn't mean... Okay, so don't think I'm saying, you, you get to relax and enjoy yourself and enjoy family. And you don't have to think about work, and you know there's going to be more there Monday when you hit or whenever you hit it, but just as if, as if, you just have to rest, as if. Now, number three notes, and that's this. If I do not rest, I will be done. See, God had it all done. Jesus got it done. But if I don't rest, I'm going to be done. Does that make sense? Okay. There's this cool story. In Numbers chapter 15, I put the, um, the reference in your notes. So let, me, let me describe it to you. Let me read it to you. Now watch this. You're gonna, we've read this story before. I like to use it when we're talking about rest. I love the story. Watch this. Now before you go crazy, when you go, what? Let, I'll explain it. Okay. Now while the sons of Israel were in the wilderness, meaning they're traveling through the desert, they've left Egypt, They're not in the promised land yet. They found a man gathering wood on the, say it, oh, the rest day. Those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses and Aaron, Aaron's Moses' brother, to all the congregation. And they put him in custody because it had not been declared what should be done with him. Huh? They arrest him? Then the Lord said to Moses, The man shall surely be put to death. 
Well, of course, he's a stick gatherer. That was a joke, guys, in case you didn't catch that. I know you lost an hour of sleep last night, but pay attention here. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death with stones, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Some of you think, that's a little over the top, right? There's four reasons why they'd stone a person to death in the Old Testament. Murder, adultery. You're going to love this one, parents. When your children were rebellious towards you. How many wish that was in place sometimes right now? You just throw a little stone and leave it at that. And for working on the Sabbath. Okay, let's think about this. Because it's kind of like crazy that. Look, we're, we're not under the law. We're not under the law in the Old Testament. Well, then why'd you read that? Okay. Because in 1 Corinthians 10, New Testament letter, verse 11, Paul says, these things were written to us as instruction on how to live. So I don't look at the law and say, well, you know, so-and-so, bring them forward in church. They worked on their rest day. Let's kill them now. So what I have to do, and you have to do, is this. I look at these stories and I say, I'm not under the law. So therefore, since it's written for my instruction, I've got to extract the principle out of the, out of the story. What's it saying to me? What does it mean to me? What's God trying to get across to me? And here's the principle. The principle is, it's a question. Are you killing yourself? Are you overdoing yourself? Are you killing your key relationships by overdoing yourself? Are you walking around cranky because you're always exhausted? Your fruit of the Spirit is not love, joy, peace. It's anger, cranky, and irritation. Are you killing yourself? That's what God's asking us. Now, I want to drive this thing home now. In the last few verses of the last chapter of an Old Testament letter called Second Chronicles, when we read our Bible, the Old Testament, which are the Hebrew Scriptures, the last letter is Malachi. Not for a Jewish person. Their last one in there, the way they've set it up in order, is Second Chronicles. And the last words in Second Chronicles uh, are very interesting because it talks about uh, a captivity. You see, in 607 B.C., the Babylonians seized Jerusalem, and that was the first deportation of the Jews to Babylon. They come back about 10 years later, 596, 97. They siege it again, and they deport more. Zedekiah, the very last king in Israel who refused to pay tribute to Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, they were way more powerful. They come in the last siege and they take over the city, they burn everything down, they take everything, all the gold out of the temple. Zedekiah flees to the plains of Jericho. They catch him there. In front of his very own eyes, he sees his family killed, every one of them, and then they gouge his eyes out. Crazy, huh? And so, the deportation started in 607 B.C. Seventy years go by, and in 5, 
37 BC, Cyrus, who has, who's the king of the Persians who conquered the Babylonians by now, he allows the Jews to go back. He feels like God has told him that he's going to be instrumental in them rebuilding their temple because the Babylonians destroyed it. So he sends them back. He lets them go back, whoever wants to. 70 years. 70 years. And that was the prophecy. Way before that, that they would be in captivity for 70 years. Now, why are you sharing this, Jim? Let me tell you why. One of the reasons for their 70-year captivity is because God had told them, he said, you guys are agricultural people. I want you rest. I want you to rest your land every seventh year. Do not cultivate it. Do not do anything to it. Just let it overgrow. You could pick the fruit from it. Every year, but do not work on that land for one year. Every seventh year. Don't work on it. They disobeyed that command for 490 years, which equals 70 years of seventh, day, seventh year rest. So God, one of the reasons, not the only reason, God allows them to be taken captive for 70 years away from their land. That's where Daniel and all the guys were taken there. 70 years. So the land would rest. So here's my closing question. If God is that dead serious about land getting rest, how serious is he about the people he loves, his creation, getting their rest? He's dead serious. He's dead serious. Not an easy series, is it? So it makes us really rethink and question. Because the blessings of God are within the parameters of God. They're not outside of it. I told you that in the beginning. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the spiritual life. Jesus said, it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Seek first that. And don't go the other way. And then watch God bless. And one of the key spiritual things is you got to get rest. You got you to just do what God says. It's just that simple. Amen. Let's pray.